Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bad on Bears fans, welcome into another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. I mean, listen, we are getting a step closer to training camp every single second. You can feel the excitement in the city around this Bears team. And on today's episode, I am joined by none other than host of Captain Jay Hood. And I mean, listen, if you've listened to anything in Chicago, you know the name David Kaplan in the building. Cap, how are you feeling today? Pat, how are you, my man? Great to be with you. We're seven days away from players and coaches reporting to training camp, so jacked up and ready to go for football. I mean, my God, it, it's it's been such an offseason of speculation, such an offseason of what is this step that Justin Fields is going to take, so it's so exciting to finally be able to get in close to getting some football in here. We're going to talk about, though, how CBS doesn't seem that excited for the Chicago Bears, or at least that's how people seem like they're positioning it. I think I have a, a little bit of a different opinion on what CBS is saying. We were talking before. Seems like you do as well, so we'll get into that. We'll also look at some of the issues that they bring up with this team. And we're 54 days away. 54 is a major number in Bears City. So, of course, Brian Erlacher's story with David Kaplan. All that and more on today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Make sure you guys hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. I need five stars on the podcast side. I'm sick of y'all playing around with the pod, man. Let's get this thing in. Cap, CBS doesn't believe in us, man. They say that the Chicago Bears are going to finish dead last in the division. But I have to say, I kind of think that they agree with a lot of the things that most people in Bearstown agree with. They stated a lack of pass rush. We've all talked about how we need that nose tackle and we need that edge rusher. Uh, they talk about the right side of the offensive line being the only thing addressed. A lot of us were going into the draft saying, is Braxton Jones enough? When you read this article, when you hear kind of how CBS is positioning themselves, where are you at with where this Bears team will finish in the NFC North? Will they be dead last in the division? Well, okay, first of all, and it's so great to be with you because I am a regular subscriber and listener. I appreciate love, it. Love the content. Look, I think that people that are thinking this is a 10-11 win football team are a little bit ahead of themselves. We have to remember the state of the rebuild, the amount of talent that went out the door and was not replaced. And then this year in the draft, I think Ryan Poles did a really good job. I love the trade that brought DJ Moore and a collection of draft picks to Chicago. But you, as you just said, there's no edge pressure. There's no Robert Quinn here. There's no Khalil Mack here. Yeah. And they were terrible at pressuring the opposing quarterback a year ago. A, yeah. that concerns me. B, I look at this team and is Braxton Jones ready to take the next step and be a legitimate left tackle on a playoff caliber football team. Yeah. I'm not sure. I hope he is. If he's not, they've got two number one picks next year. Is Justin Fields ready to take the next step and not be in a gimmicky, we're going to run you a billion times because we don't have enough talent the rest of the way. So yeah. all these things have to be answered. And then I question the depth on the roster because in a 17-game season, if you're blessed with good health, 
on your team, you're still going to lose significant man games to injury. So yeah. that all has to be fixed and answered affirmatively. So could I see them seven wins and that be last place in the division? Certainly. Could yeah. I also see them perhaps, perhaps win eight or nine if they got great health? Yeah. And if they don't get great health, could I see them a six-win team? Yes, I could. I just don't think it's anywhere near what we watched a year ago. And I think that's the part. I, I implore everybody to go read what the article actually says and not just listen to. Or, they were kind of complimentary at, about the state of the rebuild. Very complimentary. They they literally talked about how much the Chicago Bears actually added this offseason. The article to me is more so saying, and I guess this is the one part where I agree or disagree with, is the article is basically saying that it believes that the Packers stability is kind of going to hold them in a seven to eight win spot. Right. And that the Vikings aren't going to take this massive slide that people think they're going to take, that they are going to take a slide probably, but that they're, they'll probably be a, a still competing for first place, second place type of team. Only part I disagree with is I don't believe that the Packers are in a situation where stability just means that you're going to stay where you are, that you're going to maintain that eight to nine wins. I do think the Packers are going to take a pretty significant step back here because we're really underselling the fact among everybody. I know most people don't like the guy, but Aaron Rodgers is a freaking good quarterback. The drop really is going to be there. Well said. It's going to be there. And so for me, I look at the Packers situation. I do have them locked in for fourth place in the division, but I'm also not going to sit here and tell you that that means that the Bears are just going to be 17 games better than them. Like the Bears will probably be maybe a game or two better than the Packers in this season because I think that there's going to be that step back. So Green Bay, I have a home up in Wisconsin, right near Green Bay, like 40 minutes away. So we go hang out at this one bar, and I walk in. Always, always, I wear Bears gear in there. <laughs> and every time I go in, the bartender's like, ugh, this guy again with the Bear gear. And so I've been talking football with whoever's in there. I'm up yeah. there every weekend in the summer. And there are people in there. They're glad Aaron's gone. I said, be careful what you wish for now. That guy's a hell of a football player. Oh you might think you're happy he's gone. Because the drama's not there. That guy's a hell of a football player. But they did point out a lot of talent on the defense. They have a really good offensive line if Bakhtiari and Elton yeah. Jenkins are both healthy. So I'm not convinced Green Bay is going to be as bad as we all hope they will be. Well, here's here's what I'll say, Cap. And this is what, tell me if you've heard this as well. And we've we've heard this so often in our lives. They will be a team that if they can run the football and just Jordan Love can just be competent, mm -hmm. they should have the defense <laughs> that can win them games. Sound familiar to anybody that we root for that has finished fourth place in the division quite a few times in our lives. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We always have these quite, well, if we could do this and we could do that, boy, we could be pretty good. And then we do one or half of one. Yeah. And we're like, Oh, man, I need to see this offensive line gel together for the Bears. Yeah, I need to see them be better stopping the run, whether it is Pickens or Jervon Dexter, yeah. uh, Travis Gibson. I'm just not convinced we're going to be able to pressure the quarterback enough where if I can't get that guy on the ground, good quarterbacks are going to make me pay.
It just, it, and I think here's the thing too, we're coming into this based on what our GM and what our head coach have, have talked about with us, right? The Bears signed guys that got to the quarterback last season. Rasheem Green has 17 sacks in his career already. Uh, Demarcus Walker has 19 and a half. I believe he comes in with a seven sack season. And what basically how it's been talked about is there's not enough for those guys to to replicate what they did on their teams before. That's how Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles are talking about it because they're still talking about trying to go out and get a guy that's going to bring edge pressure. So Bears fans have to go off of what the leaders of our team are saying. I think Demarcus Walker's pretty good. I think Rasheem Green could be pretty good for this team. And CBS even gave the Bears credit for going out and getting two guys like that. But they still don't believe that that's going to be enough. And I mean, listen, when you're talking about a pass rush that I believe, I believe Tom Waddle said this yesterday, a net negative 37 on sacks to the quarterback. Yeah, it's th- not good. It, it it makes it too hard for Tremaine Edmonds to be the guy he was in Buffalo, TJ Edwards to be the guy that he was. You know, it, it, it's not the same. You're not going to get that same level of production if you're not getting that pressure on the quarterback. And that's a problem. If you can't stop the run, and again, we're relying on a second-round rookie and a third-round rookie, and you mentioned two guys that we signed in Green and Walker. If you can't stop the run, you cannot win football games. And we saw yeah. that be a big problem. I think back to the Dallas game. They ran it down our freaking throats. Yeah. So got to do a better job stopping the run. I'm not telling you you got to be the best in the league like the Eagles, but you cannot be 31st either. Let and- me ask you this. Do you, do you feel like... We've got a lot of guys who run stopped on their last team, right? You bring in an Andrew Billings. Justin Jones was really good in the Chargers. I feel like the Bears will actually be a little bit better in the run stop this year. The question is pressure on the quarterback. If you're better in the run stop this season, what chance do you give the Bears of being a possible second place team? And again, this is by like a game or two. I think the entire NFC North will be separated by four games. You're probably right. I think Detroit's the class of the league. I really do. I think they're a really good football team. Class of the division, I should say. Um, If the Bears do a much better job in their top 15 in stopping the run, yeah, there's no reason they can't win nine football games. But I'm not convinced they could jump from 31st to, you know, 13th, 14th, 12th, somewhere in there stopping the run and combine that with getting to the quarterback. They have got to get more pressure from the edge. I'm not convinced they can do it. Your leading sacker last year was Jaquan Brisker. He's a safety. Yeah. That can't happen again. No, 100%. I, 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 another part that I thought was very interesting from the article was that it just, I went into the draft and I said the left side of the line is the most important side because it's a side Justin can't see. Justin is an amazing athlete, but as much as it looks like he has eyes in the back of his head, I don't want to see him get hit. And when you watch a ton of the plays where it's like a successful pass or something like that, it's coupled a lot of times with Braxton Jones getting bull rushed backwards. They brought up not addressing the left side of this offensive line, giving credit to addressing the right side, which means they they at least believe that Darno Wright's going to be a pretty good player. Yes. But where are your where's your belief on Braxton Jones right now? Can he be a guy who is is at least competent enough to keep Justin alive out there. I, I think that that's going to be a major question this season. So I believe he can be. I am a guy who is a one 
thousand percent believer in Olin Krutz, the former bear. Olin Krutz has spent time this offseason working with Braxton Jones. Yeah. And Braxton has said, I trained with, he calls him Coach Krutz. And I have been told by people who have attended those sessions, and Olin has co-signed this, if I tell that kid something, I tell him one time, and that's all I have to tell him. He's really, really intelligent as a football player. And sometimes people don't think about football intelligence. They think about brute strength and how much can you bench and how fast can you run and how agile are you? Olin was one of the most intelligent football players I ever watched. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame one day. And he believes, man, if I tell you, Pat, don't put your hands like this. I want them like that. And you keep going back to the old way. Yeah. There's a perceptiveness problem. He said, you tell Braxton one time and he never makes the mistake again. That means a lot to me. When I hear that from Olin Krutz, I believe this kid could be maybe not an all pro left tackle, but I think he can be a solid. damn good football player. Yeah, solid. Nice. solid. Well, where, where's your biggest concern right now on the offensive line? Is it up the middle? I mean, I guess Cody White here is probably all of our biggest concerns at the end of the day. I, I think he's a solid player, but I I mean, it, it didn't feel like there was that connection with him and Justin a ton last season, even a ton of movement there. But where's your where's your biggest concern on the offensive line right now? So I have two big concerns on the offensive line. One is. Cody's been a center before and it didn't work and they had to move him out of the position. Why do we believe it's going to work this time? So that is one that has to get answered in a positive, affirmative way for me. That's a B. Tevin Jenkins seems like a guy who gets injured a lot, not seriously injured, but banged up. I've got to see him out there. I'm not telling you he's going to stay healthy for 17 games in a violent sport like the National Football League. But he's got to be an anchor at left guard because he's got too much talent to not be. No, I I agree. And I think that's something that hasn't been talked about enough coming into this season is I love the starters. This is the NFL. A lot of times your starters aren't your guys who end up spending uh, uh, all of the time on the field because they're the guys that are getting hit the most. They're the guys that are getting nicked up the most. What's going to happen if guys have to miss time? We don't even know, right? Like (laughs) their names on this team that I think the Bears kind of just want us to forget about, right? Alex Leatherwood is a real part of this team. Like, we picked up serious money for Alex Leatherwood. We don't even know if he can play. Uh, Ryan Pohl's big signing last season was Lucas Patrick. He was supposed to be our starting center. What happened? I am so concerned about kind of where the depth of this team is. I love the front-line guys' names, but... Who's coming behind those guys? Those are the teams that win the 10, 11 games when I can say, yeah, he went out, but then that guy came in and just knew how to do his job. Correct. And that is when we were at the uh, Indianapolis Combine, Ryan joined me in hoodie and we had a chance to talk to him on and off the air and off the air. He said to us as well as on Guys, it takes stacking multiple draft classes and multiple free agent periods to get the depth where I need it. He said, we've got to be able to go, oh, Pat's a hell of a football player, but he's hurt and he's going to miss three weeks. The next guy up isn't too big a drop off. Yeah. 
No, and that, that's that's where I think my concern lies a lot with this team is it's the NFL. You know, like the, the guys get hurt. Now, what I will say is, again, kind of pivoting back to the CBS article is that I don't feel great depth in the rest of the NFC North outside of Detroit. So I guess if you look at it in that sense, right, when I look at how these teams stack up, I'm asking myself, okay, if Alexander Madison, not that, not wishing injury on anybody, but if Alexander Madison turns his ankle, do I have a belief in what the Vikings run game is? Not really. I'm not a huge believer in Kirk Cousins either because I've seen defensive slow him down. His best weapon, he has to turn into the best weapon because Justin Jefferson has to get the ball from him. On the flip side of that, you got Jordan Love kind of in the same situation, two-headed monster. Maybe they can maintain that. I think if Jordan Love was good, they probably would have moved on from Aaron Rodgers two years ago, but we'll see what that is. But now I look at the Bears, and I think there's two weapons here that individually defenses have watched, looked at, schemed against, and still haven't figured out really how to stop them. Justin Fields with his legs to this point, and uh, um, DJ Moore with just his overall game. You're now pairing those two together I can see how defenses can slow the other guys in the NFC North down. With Justin Fields, I believe he's a passer. And I think DJ Moore is going to show help him show that this season. If he can pass the football well and DJ Moore can be as good as he is with the quarterbacks that he's had now with Justin Fields, the Bears could be in a better situation than maybe anybody is giving them credit on. I don't disagree with what you're saying. Uh, I've got to I go back and I watch tape of Ohio State when Justin was there. Yeah. Now, again, he had five All-Americans basically in front of him. It helps. He had Jeremy Rucker, an NFL tight end. Yeah. Chris Olave and Jamison Williams before he transferred and Marvin Harrison Jr. and all these great players that come through Ohio State. Whoever is there, they're playing with amazing talent. Yeah. But I defy anyone to tell me that that kid can't stand in the pocket and make all the throws. I think last year he was holding the ball too long because yes. people weren't open. They weren't yeah. getting separation. And he had PTSD from getting the ever-living you-know-what kicked out of him. Yeah. So now he's got a better offensive line. He's got better weaponry in terms of a better version of Cole Komet, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Cole, uh, Chase Claypool, uh, Robert Tunyon. I, and now the one. speedster, Tyler Scott, on top of it. I think he has all the opportunities now to be a damn good quarterback. Hey, he's got to show it. This is the thing. That's that's what, no matter what, and I've, I've said this a couple of times on the pod, no matter what comes out of this season, no matter how everything is all put together, coaching staff, blah, 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 we've seen bad coaches still produce great players because the player's just great without them. Right. I, if Justin Fields is the guy that we believe he is, he should be great with the things that Ryan Poles has put around him. Even if Matt Eberflus is mediocre, even if Luke Getze can't, you know, call plays to save his life. I, now, can coaching destroy wins at the end of the day? Yes. But by the end of this season, there's enough weaponry on this team. All the things that you just listed that we should at least feel like we know moving forward. Justin Fields is our franchise quarterback. And that's to me. What no matter if the Bears finish fourth, we're okay if Justin Fields is a 3,800 yard passer. <laughs> okay, so here's my take on what has to come out of this year. I don't believe there's enough talent there to win a Super Bowl, and that's why you're in it. <laughs> no, did yeah. we get the ring or did we not? Yeah, at the end of the year, I have to know 
Guess what? Darnell Wright, that's my right tackle moving forward. Yes. Braxton Jones is or is not my left tackle moving forward. And my quarterback is or is not the guy. I can't at the end of the year go, oh, boy, I don't know. Is he good enough? I don't know. Yes, he is or no, he isn't. But that question has to be answered this year. 110%. I, I fully agree with you on that. Um, there, there's, there's so much that's going to come out of this season. But like we said, first off, let us know how you guys feel in the comments below. Uh, do, do, what do you feel like about the CBR, CBS article? Do you feel like this is a team that's going to finish last but still show you a lot? Do you feel like this is going to be a team that's going to finish second or third in the division? I think that the, the, the conversation to me that's hilarious is like both are possible just because I don't think the division is that great. I think that Detroit, like you said, is the class of the division. I do. Ten wins. Maybe 11. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, you're talking about three or four games between first and last. I do think, they not have division. questions? Like, I a, love a the skill position players. I'm a David Montgomery guy. I love David yeah. Montgomery. And the kid, Jameer Gibbs, that they drafted. Good football player. They got to play six games without... Their speedster, Jamison Williams. I love Amon Ross St. Brown. They yeah. have a good tight end. They may have the best offensive line in the National Football League. That said, are you convinced Jared Goff is the guy? I know he had a good year last year. Are you convinced I'm not? I think I, I think that Jared Goff is a the one thing that we all have to admit is Jared Goff is a good system quarterback. Yes. And I've said this a million times. If you put guys in the right system, it's okay for some guys to be okay. There's your top five in the league. And then when you look at kind of the rest of the league, and we, we had a clip about this I, when I had uh, uh, Shay on the show, it's, it's a lot of Kirk Cousins in there, right? Like a lot of guys that you look at the numbers and you're like, that's a good quarterback. But when we actually see it, you're Jared Goffs, Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott. You, you know, you can, the list goes on where you're just like, I mean, he's okay. All right. Like, I kind of see it. So I think Jared Goff kind of falls into that. Maybe not the top of that list, but he's he's good enough. Jared Goff is a good enough quarterback for if you have the system, you will win. If you have all the pieces around him, you will win. And the biggest question is, do they have all the pieces? I like Monty, but the whole conversation that's happening today about, you know, why the running back room is devalued is because Monty just went into a situation where he's gotten paid and by the end of this season, he might not be the lead back there because Jameer Gibbs is a pretty good running back. You they know, got, like th their running back room, though, is really good. It's a, it's really a good, good running back room. It's a good running back room. And I think those are the things to me that you have to have around a guy like Jared Goff. Agreed. For me, for me to see Jared Goff be successful, I need to see running game in place, consistent weapon that he can throw to, uh, 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 that multiple consistent weapons that he could throw to and time for him to pass. And the Lions kind of do have all of that set up. But at the end of the day, the Lions also have a schedule this season with expectations. And you've been uh, uh, in a rooting in the NFC North a lot longer than I have. And maybe not too much longer. I felt, I felt like a shot there. But <laughs> longer than I have. Longer than I have. And uh, what do the Lions do every time there's expectations on them? They whiz down their legs. <laughs> That's that's what I'm with. I, I when I tell you that is what I'm waiting to see, because I remember coming into the season Lions made, I believe, the first round of the playoffs 
and it was Matt Stafford and Megatron. And I think they added Reggie Bush to that running back room. And everybody was like, this is going to be the team. And I think they won six games the next season. Right. And so they have to prove that we're not the old Lions. We're ready to go. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not a hey that that as much as the as you believe the Bears got to show it to us and I believe that too the Lions got to show me. Agreed. That's the team that's got to show me. They just happen to have more talent <laughs> right now. Yeah, and and that's that's one of those where I I'll I'll wait and see. I'll be wrong on that one. When the Lions are are a Super Bowl champ, I'll be wrong on that one. I guarantee that. Uh, let's keep it moving along here. Like I said, we're 54 days away from Bears football, that kind of matters. And 54 is a huge number in this town. You've been covering this team for years. You've covered the Brian Urlacher years. What are your favorite moments covering this Chicago Bears team? What are your favorite Brian Urlacher moments? Uh, There's a few of them. One was not a good moment, but it epitomized who Brian was. First game of the season, he breaks his thumb in the first half of the first game against Green Bay. And they take his helmet away. And he says to the doctor, I'm playing with it. Tape it up. He said, Brian, you got to have surgery. If you mess this thing up any further, you may lose all the mobility in your hand. You can't go back in. Screw it. I'm going back in. And they had to take the helmet and hide it and would not let him back out there. But that's who he was, the ultimate competitor, Brian Urlacher. What an athlete. I like him very much. I'm a big Brian Urlacher guy, not just as a player. I like him as a guy. Here's a great story. So a friend of mine is one of the photographers down on the field. These mm-hmm. two guys say, hey, we're huge Brian Urlacher fans. Is there any way you could get something signed for us? He goes, better than that. It's Brian Urlacher bobblehead day. I'll get that sign, those signed for you. And then they had jerseys. He's going to get them signed. The two guys say, we're Secret Service agents, and we're here doing a site survey. The president's coming to town. We would love to repay you, so get yourself to the Air Force One the next day. It's parked at O'Hare. So he does. But his wife had a root canal. She couldn't go. So he's there with his son. They get done. He said, God, my wife would have loved to have seen this. Well, I'll tell you what. You guys get to D.C., we'll give you the tour of your lives. Bring your wife and bring your son, and you can bring another couple friends. He's like, I got just the guy. They go out there. Brian gets them hotel rooms. They fly out. They give their ID to the Secret Service. They do the background check. They go to dinner. The next day, they got to be at the White House at like 8 a.m. Yeah. They get to the gate. And it's Brian Urlacher and his wife and my friend and his wife and his son and another couple. They're there. They Secret Service come to get him. They said, yeah, unfortunately, the president's out of town, but you'll get an amazing tour. As they walk through the gates, here comes Marine One, the helicopter. It's landing. They call over to the helicopter. They said, who's on Marine One? That's the president. He came back early. Oh, tell him the guy in the blue suit is one of his favorite football players. It's Brian Urlacher, who used to play for the Chicago Bears. He's like, they tell the president, it's Trump. They tell the president, that guy in the blue suit right there. He gets off Marine One, 
And he, Brian, get over here. <laughs> and he takes them on the tour, takes them. There's like a, like a gift area where the president has, you know, serving plates, golf balls and hat. He's give take anything you want. I love you, Brian. And Brian took a picture with him. And regardless of what you think of the president, he Brian said it was the coolest thing that the Secret Service taking you around the White House. Yeah. Some guy, the most powerful man is working in that office. there. Pretty yeah. Cool. Brian, Brian is, I mean, listen, it, whatever the thoughts are on the outside, when you get to be around him, right? Like everything that I've heard about him is that he's just, he, he exudes the game. He exudes he does. football when you just sit around him. And so I love, I love to be able to just sit by him, pick his brain on, on what the game is. And, and, you know, being be, talking with Lance every week, you can just see how those guys were so different. Right, he, like when he and Brian, what a duo that was. Yeah, when you think about right, Bears football teams, where does that 05-06 team rank in your mind? As far, of course, eighty five is top. Yeah. But where does that team? Is that the number two football Bears team that we've seen? Wow. Um, I mean, I'm a lot older than you, but. During the 70s, they were terrible. The 80s, they were dominant, but they only won one. I think the 86 team that lost to Washington in the playoffs was a more talented team than the 0506 run there. But the 0506 team did something that 86 team didn't. They went right. to the Super Bowl. They didn't right. win it, but they went to the Super Bowl. So that 0506 team, I battle with Alex Brown all the time and Lance. That defense by far. Far is the second best in Bears history. Maybe it's, not statistically, but they were awesome. It's so crazy, right? Because I mean, it, and I think this is the tough part about being a Bears fan is the gap, right? Like you talk about the 85 team, you talk about the 06, 05, 06 team. And then, I mean, realistically, are we saying maybe the team that went to the NFC North? I don't know about that one. I might put the 18 team above that. Like that's that's the part that's tough for me because that defense with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks in their prime dominant. dominant. That was a great defense, but that eighteen defense, as good as it was, yeah, not as good as the Lance Briggs, Alex Brown, Tommy Harris, all those yeah. dudes. Peanut. The consistency of those guys was, was just ridiculous. And I think there's there's a ton of Hall of Famers on that team. Man. 54 days away. I love it. I think that uh, we got some good stuff here getting ready to happen this season. So I'm excited for this season. As we're heading into training camp, let's finish it off with this. What's your biggest storyline that you're focused in on going into training camp? What is the biggest thing that you need to see the Chicago Bears team do coming out of training camp? Uh, they've got to have a grasp of the offense. If I see, like when, uh, look, I was dead wrong on Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. I thought he would be a better player than he was. Great work ethic, all of that. Great leader. Everybody loved him. He wasn't good enough. That's just yeah. a fact. I kept hearing in the 2019 training camp, man, Mitch is struggling with the offense. They're not picking it up. They're not executing properly. Ah, it's training camp. What is that? And then we saw that season. They were yeah. terrible offensively starting with the Packer game on Thursday night football. I have to see at the end of training camp, wow, that offense is getting the ball out in two and a half seconds. Coach Wanstead was telling me on TV last year, Tom Brady had a clock installed at Buccaneers practices with a horn on it. 
if the ball was not out of his hands by 2.5 seconds from snap, eh, the alarm goes off. And mm. Tom said, that's on me. I either got to get rid of it and deliver it or throw it away. But beyond two and a half seconds, only bad things are going to happen. And Justin was holding it almost three and a half seconds last year. Yeah. Yeah. That second doesn't sound like a lot. It is when you've got guys bearing down to rip your head off as pass rushers. So I have to see, boy, they look like they are in and out of that huddle and that offense is humming. Yeah, I think that I agree. How many times have we heard, you know, oh, it's just this or it's just that. These are the moments that lead into the season. These are the moments that, to me, lead into you having success during the season. So I, I even with OTAs and stuff like that, like I know people are very much like it's just OTAs. It's violence. It doesn't matter. All of that. I've heard what happens when the OTAs are bad. I've seen how the seasons go when the training camps don't go as planned or things are behind schedule. We always hear, what's our number one thing we hear in Chicago? Well, offenses are always behind the defense at this point. And it's usually because our quarterback has thrown three interceptions in a, and because our in a training camp. Because our offense is not good enough. Yeah. And so I, I, I think by the end of this, I agree with you. We have to know at least some answers on what's the relationship between DJ Moore and Justin Fields. Who's our number two? Is it Mooney or is it Claypool? Or is it and Tyler Scott? Is it Tyler Scott? I'd love to see that. A, a guy we drafted actually develop into a, a, a nice rookie. I'd, I'd love to see that. <laughs> Offensively, yeah. I should say. And then I think, right, is this running game 100% ready to go? Because you got two guys in that backfield that I, I like both Khalil uh, Herbert and Deontay Foreman speed. But listen, there's going to be – I think that Roshan Johnson is going to be a starter pretty quick here because I think there's going to be a lot of uh, missed blocks that they're going to say, if this is a real game, Justin's dead. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. That's the big concern with Khalil. Some people there don't believe he can pass block. And if you can't block, you can't play. Yeah. I mean, it would help if the guy's up front block, but you, you still need that backside help. But – let us know in the comments below. How do you guys feel? What is your biggest story heading into training camp that you're focused on? Appreciate you for coming on, Cappy. Let the people know, of course, where they can find you and where they can uh, keep listening in on you because you got the YouTube channel cracking as well. Shout out to Cappy out here. I appreciate that. Yeah, they can find me every morning, 7 a.m. on ESPN 1000 on the Cap J Hood Morning Show with me and Hoodie, Jay Moore and Shay Norling. And we have a lot of fun every day. And now that football is back, oh, baby, I can't wait to talk Bears with everybody starting at 7 a.m. And I, anytime you want me, man, I'm in. I'm a huge fan of yours. I appreciate it, Cap. I really do, man. Been listening to you for a long time, so it's a pleasure to finally be able to sit on a mic and have a conversation, which we've had a ton of behind the scenes, but good to be able to sit on a mic next to you, an absolute legend here in Chicago. David Kaplan, ladies and gentlemen, for him, I am Pat the Designer, back at it again. This is the Chicago Bears podcast. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear it out. Peace.